You're listening to the Sojourner Podcast, a podcast from Sojourner Church in Concord, North Carolina. If you'd like a little bit more information about Sojourner, visit www.sojourner.church. All right, my friends, let's go ahead and dive into this week's message. I'm waiting for, there we go. Hey, will you stay up here and say... If you're a kid, come up here now. If you're a kid, come up here now. Say now. 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 All right. All my kiddos, line up right here. You guys are pumped about this. All right. I'm glad to see that. Take a seat. 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 Hey, Eric, drop me a beat. Take, I'm just joking, by the way. All right. All right. All right. Hey, I have got... A super special guest for you guys today. Do you guys like super special guests? Yeah. That was very sorry. Do you guys like super special guests? Yeah. All right, I believe if you say his name loud enough, he'll come. Come here, Anna. Up here, Anna. Come here. If you say his name loud enough, he'll come up here. Come on. Let me tell you his name, okay? David, come on up here. <laughs> you guys give it up for David. That should have been really easy for her since her dad's name's David. So, uh, Can any kid tell me the best Christmas present you've ever had? Are you? What about you? Dogs are good Christmas presents. Maybe all of you kids will get dogs for Christmas. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? No? What's your favorite Christmas present you ever got? A family? That's, that's a great Christmas present. Eden, I want to hear what you got to say. A robot unicorn. How are you going to top that this year? Dog, I guess. <laughs> when I was five years old, I got what is none of you have ever heard of this. I know of. I got a Super Nintendo for Christmas. No, it's a, it's a Super Nintendo. You used to have to plug it into the TV. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. You couldn't hold it in your hand or anything. You had to watch it on TV and do it. And there was this game called Super Mario Kart. You may have heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, that was my favorite game. Yes, it's awesome. I know. I know. Do you know that that God has given us a great Christmas present? Can you tell me what it is? You tell me. 
There you go. That's the, that's the greatest Christmas present any of us could ever have gotten. So there's this verse. It's called John 3.16. Does do y'all know that verse? Yeah. You do? Can you say it? That's great. Everybody give them a round of applause. <laughs> I wouldn't count on that, Eden. Something tells me that that's not going to happen. Uh, so he sent Jesus to us to show us his love. That's what that verse says. So how does, so who does Jesus love? Us. That's right. He loves every single one of y'all. He loves every single one of them too. Um, so, yeah, there's an old song called Jesus Loves Me. I'm sure everybody knows it. So everybody say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. So that's, that's kind of the, the moral of today. You know, today's the, the week of love in, in Advent. So we want everybody to know that, that Jesus loves them. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us and then Miss... Tanya's back there at the back, and y'all can go with her. So, God, we just thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for sending him to us. God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to give up your son for us. So, God, I just pray that we can all take that with us today as we go along in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can go. All right, give it up for David. That was great. That was cute, though. That was good. All right, so everybody say hello. All right, so next week, somebody say next week. I will not be here at 10 a.m., but I will be here at 5, and I'll bring a friend, maybe two. And if I want to get on the preacher's naughty list, I won't bring anybody at all. I'm just joking. Hey, right, do me a favor. Um, uh, you have a connection card right here, and I'm asking everybody to fill out their connection card. So I'm actually going to give you, like, the Jeopardy theme song music. I don't think it'd actually be playing. But I want you guys just to take a moment, fill this card out. And if you're new here, we have a special gift for you that we'd like to give you at the back of the room. So make sure you fill this out and then drop it in the offering baskets as they come. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds to fill that out. And that's peer pressure so that everybody will fill it out, even if you've been here forever. You know, I know somebody was going to do it. Awesome. All right, you can fade it out now. Hey, question for you. When's the last time, think about this for a second. All right, everybody, you with me here? You with me? All right, I didn't give you enough time. Okay, well, I'm sure I'll, you'll, you'll, I'll be boring at some point. You can fill it out. Think about this for a second. When was the last time you looked up at the stars? When's the last time you looked up at the stars? I was thinking about this when I was coming to church this morning about how much time I spend staring at this versus how much time I spend staring up at 
that. How much time I spend staring at this versus how much time I spend staring up at the stars. And, you know, I was at uh, in Tennessee a couple of weeks ago or about two months ago, and it was the first time I'd looked up at the stars, especially in a country. And, you know, you can see the stars much, so much better in the country than you can in the city, right? It creates this sense, and this is what I want to talk about to us today. It creates this sense of wonder. Can I, is that fair? That when you sit up and stare up at the stars, you, you, you have a sense of awe. You have a sense of wonder. And, and sometimes I just feel like, especially when it comes around Christmas, that I just need to remind us that life's wonderful. Can I get an amen there? Amen. Life's good. Like there's a lot of bad stuff going on right now, but life is good. And life can be filled with wonder. And you think about kids when they open up gifts, especially younger kids, and they have that sense of what? Wonder. That sense of awe that, that Santa Claus is coming and that he's got all these presents for them and we get to open up these presents. And I, remember, I just wonder, I oh, see what I did. I wonder what it would be like to, if we could have a sense of wonder in our lives. You know, I remember living in South Africa many years ago and I was 100 miles from anywhere and there was not a street light anywhere. And the stars would come out and I could actually see the Milky Way. It was a moment of wonder. I remember holding that 10-year-old for the very first time when I was 29 years old and had a sense of wonder that I had become a father. I remember surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. And in a moment and in an instant, he removed all the weight of sin in my life. All the earthly mistakes that I had made, it was like he washed them away in an instant. And for the first time, I felt freedom. It was a moment of wonder. I remember asking my wife to marry me on the beach of India. And she looked at me and said, have you asked my dad? <laughs> and then after that, I said yes. And then she said yes. And it was a moment of wonder. Question. When's the last time you wondered? Not like, oh, I wonder what, but when was the last time you stood in wonder? Think about that for a moment. When was the last time that you stood in awe of something? When's the last time you had a moment of wonder? And today I want to read a scripture verse to us. It comes out of Psalm chapter 8. It's called the Psalm of the Astronomer. That's not actually what it's labeled in the scriptures. It's a Psalm of David. But it's the psalm of the astronomer because of the words that were read. And I just want to brag on my daughter real quick if I can. Noah, can I brag on you for a moment? My little girl, on her own, has started reading her Bible every single night by herself. And I am in awe of a 10-year-old taking the responsibility and the opportunity to read her scriptures every single day. And she's, she's taking five minutes and she's reading a psalm a day. And now she's circling those scriptures and trying to memorize those scriptures. And so, Noel, I want to let you know, I'm in wonder of you. And I just want to brag on you in front of the whole church because I think what you're doing is wonderful. Okay? I want you to hear that. I believe what you're doing is worthwhile, and if you keep doing it, it will change your life. And I believe that if every single body in this room would take your, would take a cue from you, their lives would change too. If we would just take 10 minutes and open up the scriptures and read a wonderful God about what he does for us. 
And so this psalm is a, is, is a wondrous psalm, the Psalm 8, the Psalm of David. And, and I just want to read it to you. I want to ask you guys if you would stand with me. I'm going to read it, and then I want to go back through it. But if we could just honor God's word and stand while I read this. And it says this, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty from the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold in Adaliah. Can I tell you that? An Adaliah? On account of your adversaries, in order to silence. The moon and the stars, which you set in place. What is Ben Adam, human, being that you remember him? What is Ben Adam, son of man, that you look after him? Lord, our Lord, the two words are Jehovah Adonai. Can you guys say that with me? Jehovah Adonai. Jehovah Adonai. Jehovah is our provider. Adonai is the Lord, our God, the master. So David is writing. He's sitting there. He's pinned. He's, he has to be staring up at the stars. He's been watching sheep all night long, and he can see the Milky Way the same way that I saw the Milky Way, the same way that at some point you looked up at the stars in the sky, and you wonder to yourself, oh, my gosh, what is going on in this planet? And he writes these words, Jehovah Adonai, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. Majesty is represented by a purple robe. He could just imagine the mountains clothed in purple. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies. There's an image. When I think of nursing babies and infants, I think of what's going on with Khaleesi right now. She's sick. She needs her mama. She needs her mama to raise her. A baby needs his parents. A baby is a picture, if I want to say this, and I don't want you to hear me wrong, but a baby is a picture of weakness. A baby needs someone to raise them to protect them. And so here the scripture in this way, it says, from the mouths of weakness, you have established a stronghold. On the account of your adversaries, in order to silence the enemy and the avenger, what is David trying to get at? From the mouths of nursing babies, from the mouths of infants, you have established an Adaliah, a strong tower. See, the word stronghold is the picture of a castle that's surrounded by a strong wall. And what the, David is trying to say about God, and I pray that you hear me. How many of you guys are going through hard times right now? Anybody? Raise your hand if you're going through hardness, if you're, if you're struggling, if you're in weakness. That if God can establish his stronghold and oppose his enemy from the mouth of a baby then he can help you get through your hard time. If, he'll if you'll allow him to establish his name over your life, 
If you allow him to rule over you, then he can conquer the enemies that you have. And the thing that I want you to see in these first three verses is that God is good, that God is strong, and that God is king. And then you go down to this next part. It says, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, you can see 5,000 stars with your naked eye. 5,000. If you get a four-inch telescope, you can see 2 million. If you go to one of those planetariums and you sit back in those reclining seats, you can see up to a, mil a billion stars. If you were to travel the universe and its length, it would take you 40 billion light years. God is so big that he makes a universe with his fingers. And man is so small that he is dwarfed by the universe. Yet David did not doubt that God was mindful of him. Listen to this scripture. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, what you set in place, what is Ben Adam? That's the Hebrew for human. What is this weak piece of flesh that you remember him, a son of man, that you look after him? God is so big, he makes the universe with his fingers. Man is so small that he's dwarfed by the universe, yet David did not doubt that God knows you. That God knows you. God knows what you're going through. God knows how you feel. God understands everything about you in this moment right here, right now. And what does he say? Emmanuel, he is with you. It makes me think of that. It's like God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. I can't remember what the, some, the next phrase is, so I won't go into it because I don't want to act like a fool, but it's too late now. <laughs> it said this, you made him a little less than God, and you crowned him with glory. And that word for God is Elohim. Can you say that word, Elohim? That word Elohim can be interpreted God and or angels. So if you look in the scripture, some of you guys may read this. It says you made him a little less than the angels and crowned him with glory. Or it says in this one, the CSB version, it says you made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. So let me read that. When I look up at the stars, which you set in place, what am I that you remember me? What am I that you know me, that you're acquainted me? Not only do you know me and you're acquainted with me, but you made me like you. Genesis chapter 1 says that we are made in his image. And it says that he has crowned us with glory. And you know what? That's really nice flowery language. But how many of you, truth be told, feel like that? I mean, like when you go to work tomorrow, or you go to work today, or when you get home and, and you look at the bank account and all that stuff, you feel like you're crowned with glory. That's not how you feel. But how you feel does not dictate the facts. Facts aren't feelings. And the scripture says 
that you are crowned with glory. That we are crowned with glory. It says, you made him. Who's him? Us. You made man ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All the sheep, all the oxen, as well as the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. There's four things, and I'm just going to shoot right through that. I want you to see that God is a glorified God, that God is full of wonder. Not only is God full of wonder, but he has created a wonder-filled world. And in the same breath, he created you and me. And hear me, hear me, hear me. This God who is filled with glory, this God who created this world who is full of glory, this God who created you and me, hear me, hear me. He has a job for us to do. He has given us a role and he's given us a responsibility. And again, I say this, God is so big. And he makes the universe with his fingers. And man is so small that he's dwarfed by the universe. Yet David did not doubt that God was mindful of man. He simply said, and again, I can, I can imagine David, it's 10 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night. He's finished with his sheep. He's staring up the sky. He's got a nice campfire going. You can hear the crackling, the rustling of the fire. He's staring up the sky, thinking about how to make the next line like Jordan does for a song. And he says, God, why do you even know me? Why do you even understand me? Why do you love me so much? And he wondered why. And I want to ask you this question. Why did God create you? Why are you here? Like, why are you here at this place at this time in 2019? Why? You know, there are millions upon millions upon millions of people who are saying that it's nothing but chance. That there's no rhyme. That there's no reason. That everything is an accident. And if you're honest with yourself sometimes, if you're like me, you struggle and you think, what if it is? And then I go back to the scriptures and I understand who Jesus is and I understand why. Why am I here? And it's for this one word right here. It's for love. You know, when I, when I first was considering the things of God, I heard that God loved me. I said, he's so selfish. I said, I thought to myself, the only reason why God wanted me on this earth is so that I could love him. And I struggled with that for a long time. You know, it does, does God just need my love? And I, and I, I struggle with that. And I, I just want to say, maybe you struggle with that. And I want to say that God did not create us so that we could love him but instead God created us so we could understand his love for us so that we could feel his love so he could pour out his infinite love it's not something that he wants back from us but it's something that he wants to pour into us and if I can if I could leave like one deposit today 
if I could just leave like one deposit, one line, here's the line. As we think about Christmas, we think about hope, we think about joy, we think about love. My, my one thought today is that his present, his gift, his gift to us is his presence. So his present to me is his presence and his present is a presence of hope that I'm waiting for something. I'm sorry, I'm waiting for someone, not something. His presence to me is his presence through peace. That peace gives me the ability to feel complete and feel joy. And lastly, this idea of love that he put his love on display. And I want you to listen to the words of John. We're in 1 John chapter 4. The words of John now, John was the guy who wrote in the gospel, he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he had a, he had a different opinion of who Jesus was. He thought he was Jesus' favorite. But he was a friend of Jesus. He was a, a follower of Jesus. He was a guy who planted churches for Jesus. And then he planted so many churches and was doing so many good things that the Roman Empire banished him to an island called Patmos where he wrote this chapter. And it says this. And I want you to notice like the first phrase because he's writing to believers. Dear friends, dear friends. And I want you to think about this in context of the church because I think the church gets it. We always say we need to go love the people on the outside. And we do. Don't hear me that. But man, if we don't love the people on the inside, how in the world are we ever going to love the people on the outside? So listen, he says, friends, he's talking to believers, he's talking to Christians. Let us love one another. Let us love the people in the church. Why? Because when the believers love each other in the church, when people who come inside the church from the outside and they see people who look differently, who are come from different places, and they see each other that look differently loving one another, you know what that says? This place is different. I want what they have. And so many churches are known for what? Not loving one another, but hating each other. You know, we fight over the color of the carpet or how, what kind of pews are we going to get? We fight over everything except the one thing that is important. That's Jesus' cross and what it drives us to do to love one another. And here's what I'm trying to say. I want you to get so enthralled in who God is that God could take with his fingers and take with his mouth, and in an instant he can speak the world into existence. And the same God who can speak the world into existence with a breath is the same God who literally knitted us together in our mother's womb, that he is intimately acquainted with each and every person. He knows the problems that each and every one of us are going through. And because he's done all this, because he knows me, because he loves me, he calls me to one thing, to be a mirror. What does a mirror do? All it does is reflect. A mirror's got one job. It doesn't have to work hard. It just stays there. All Amir does, and that's all he's calling us to do, to reflect, to take the love that I've been given and reflect. That's it. So here John says, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves 
has been born of God and, and knows God. So what is he not saying? What he's not saying is this. If you don't love, you don't know God. So only people who love. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. You've heard that statement all the time. God's love was revealed among us in. He says that God's love was revealed among us in this way. I saw this. I walked with him. I saw when he walked into the room after he was crucified and Thomas put his fingers in his hands. I saw it. I was there whenever he cooked fish for me and he looked at me and he said, or he looked at Peter and said, feed my sheep. I was there. When he was on the cross, I was holding his mom. I was there. And all I'm asking you to do is reflect. God sent his one and only son into this world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Listen, don't get it twisted. This is what he's saying. Don't get it twisted that you love God. He says love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us that he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. If your child was in trouble, you would pay any price to get them out of trouble. Amen? Come on. If your child was in trouble and you had the ability to pay the price to get them out of trouble, you would do it in a heartbeat. And that's what the scripture is saying, that you are my children, that you don't have the ability to love like I do. And so I loved you first and I showed it through the atoning sacrifice for your sin. Again, don't get it twisted. I'm saying that phrase way too much, but I apologize. Some of us feel like we're good. The gospel is not for good people because none of us are good. All of us are fallen. All of us are sinful. If we weren't sinful, we would not need a Savior. We need a Savior because we are sinful. And the scripture says that he showed us this love by sending his son and atoning for my sin. So Christmas. Christmas is here 
to remind me of this wonder that God loves me first, that God has demonstrated his love through his present presence named Jesus. And this was not just a one-time occurrence, that it applies right here right now, today, as much as it did 2,000 years ago. Listen to the way one author said it. God's love is a truth more basic and reliable than the ground that we walk on, the air that we breathe. God's love does not depend upon our initiative or on our worthiness. We don't have to reach out to God or even believe in God in order to be loved. We don't have to clean up our act before God can love us. We don't have to measure up to some standard in order to be lovable. No. God showers his love on us whether we deserve it or not. And honestly, who could ever deserve such amazing, immeasurable love? And this is why I ask myself, and this is why I ask you. I go back to Psalm 8. Who am I that God thinks of me? Psalm 139 says, not only does God think of me, but he knows everything about me because I was formed and knitted by him. Ask me this same question, who am I that God wants me to receive this love? Jesus told us the same scripture that the Davis family, no one has greater love than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus looked at those disciples and he says, and today you are my friends. Who am I that God wants to give me this message? You may say, well, what's this message? If you read the last two verses in John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, the verses call us to be a proclamation, a herald. A herald is one who goes before the king and, and declares a message to someone else. And this message is this. 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, Remember, this way was that he sent his son Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. So if God loves us in a way that he would give himself up, what do I do? If God was willing to do that, what am I called to do? John says we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. Would you pray with me? I'm going to read that psalm, that verse one more time as we get ready to pray. If God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains us, remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. And so as we close here, as your eyes are bowed, if your eyes are closed and your, your heads are bowed, I want to ask you a question. Who in here wants to feel God's love in their life again? 
Who in here today wants to feel God's love in their life? Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's for the first time in a long time. I got a question. If you want to feel God's love or for the first time or for the first time in a long time, would you let me pray over you today? I'll be down here at the altar. Just let me pray over you, pray over your life. Whether it's for the first time to ask Jesus to be your Lord, to ask Jesus to be your Savior, or maybe for whatever reason you strayed away. But would you let me pray over you? And maybe you've forgotten why. Maybe you received that love and you're good with that. But maybe you've forgotten why. Why God has poured this love into you to be that mirror, to reflect that love. That you have a calling on your life, that you have a purpose. And that purpose is to give that love away. Maybe you've forgotten that. And if you've forgotten that, can I pray over you today? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we close out this service, or at least this part of the service, you know where every single one of us are at. You know what's going through our lives. You know what we need. You know what we don't need. God, you know who has strayed from you in this room today and they need to be prayed over. You know who is wants that love. Maybe they've played church for a long time, but have never truly ever surrendered their life. And today, maybe you're calling them today. You know who those people are. And I beg you, God, just in this moment to tap them on the shoulder metaphorically, tug on their heart, whatever euphemism that we need to use to tell them that you're speaking to them to come receive prayer. And again, same way, God, maybe there's folks in here you know, they've, they've, they've received your love, but maybe they've stopped pouring it out. Maybe they've been burned once, twice, a million times. Maybe they've been hurt. And today, God, you're tugging on them and say, listen, it's time to put that down. I know you hurt. I know you're in pain. But today, I'm asking you to put it down so that you can be a mirror. Nobody in this place wants to be one of those mirrors that look like it's been out in the woods for 16 years. It's got algae, it's got moss, it's got stains all over. It's still a mirror, but it's a useless mirror. Man, what if you got to heaven and God said, listen, you, all you did was build up moss. All you did was build up stains. You're still a mirror, but you could never be used. You don't want that. I don't want that. So today, if that's you, then come receive prayer. Again, Father, I leave this time in your hands. And guys, while your eyes are closed, we're getting ready to sing a, a non-Christmas song. It's called Build My Life. And I asked Jordan to play this song specifically for this one phrase. And it says, and I will build my life upon your love. And so I pray as we get to that part in the song, you hear that, that not, not only would be a lyric that you sing, but it would be a prayer that you mean, that I will build my life upon your love. So, Father, 
I give the rest of this time over to you, and I thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak these words over these folks for this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen.